For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney+. You are listening to Habs and Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Sandy Matthews, D-Lander, huge stop, Carey Price. Travel down the wall, stolen away, here's a 2 on 0 Caulfield gets it to Suzuki, Heatman scores! Well, the opponent is part of it. Um... You know, they, they did a really good job here today of really clogging things up in the neutral zone, protecting their blue line. Uh, as I said, the game was played a lot differently tonight than the previous two where they really pushed and really came at us. Today, they sat back a lot. And we're back with another preview from one of the other teams in the Athletic yeah, Atlantic Division, not the Athletic, but as, it seems to be a trend for me here this year. But anyways, we're going down Highway 7 from Montreal down into Toronto. It's one of the biggest rivalry in hockey. One says it's the capital of hockey. The other says it's the mecca of hockey. (laughs) We all know the difference between the the teams. One is blue and white. The other is obviously blue, white and red. Um, One has the passion. One has the ice. And um, yeah, we all remember what happened a couple of months ago, especially with the smile as we can see it on Amazon Prime once more. Uh, And I'm joined today by Omar, um, who covers the Maple Leafs. And you can follow him because he's great at Tic Tac Omar at at, uh, Twitter. Please do that. And thank you for joining us, Omar. I I promise it won't be too much of a hassle for you to get through this half hour. Um, That's not probably not true. Uh, It's going to be a big hassle, that's for sure. Just uh, just remembering... um, all that was last year and uh, trying to kind of get it out of your mind, but Hey, it's, you know, it's, it's a good day to talk about it. You know, the new season's coming up. So thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. When I mean, like I follow football and I've followed football for quite some time because I'm quite old, but, <laughs> but if you, one thing that struck me this off season really with the Maple Leafs was a similarity in, in a way. And, and you see it with a series of prime as well, because they follow the big teams around the world. And can you really have a team of Galacticos like Real Madrid has in football? Um, or had in football, maybe. I, say. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, when it comes to a, a team like a team like the Leafs, um, and I think this is a big reason as to why a lot of people are frustrated um, or anything that's Leafs related is that the there's so many eyes on on the team, um, and it's talked about so many so uh, so much. 
And uh, it kind of comes down to the idea of, of media perception, right? And, um, you know, everyone focuses on, on the media when it comes to the least, but I think it's just because of how many people care and how many people want to see the team win. So whether it's good or bad, and unfortunately, it's a lot of bad um, people want to to see what's going on. So I think what's happening with this documentary and why it took place is that um, the one, well, one, the belief was that they thought, you know, last season was going to be special, which makes it worse. Um, and two, they just knew whether it was, uh, you know, least fans or people that hated the least people would watch it and try to get into it. So I guess it's kind of the, the overall perspective of it, even though I think, you know, just just watching it, watching the doc- documentary myself, it's a little a little evil. Uh, <laughs> just uh, reminding us of, of what took place last year, especially when we're trying to forget how uh, how disappointing of a, of a loss it was. It, it all comes down to this, like you have the superstars and you do have that. You have Tavares, you have Matthews, you have uh, Marner, you have obviously in, in some ways he doesn't count as that, but obviously some Swedish, he does. You have mm-hmm. Nylander. Yeah. And you have quite a few around them but those are the top four, obviously. Mm-hmm. The 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 defense is not that set, and the goalkeepers are a bit of a question mark. But can you really build a team to outscore the opponent in today's hockey and and have that much money in cap space tied up in four players? I mean, I think that's the question that the Leafs are continuously trying to prove, right? Um, because as soon as it happened, like as soon as you know Tavares got brought over, Matthews got his deal, Marner got his deal, Nylander got his deal. Um, that's been the big question is whether you can do it because um, it's never been done. Right. And generally that that's not how you go, especially in a cap world. Right. Um, a lot of people will bring up teams like Detroit, you know, who have who were just stacked. It had had star after star, Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer, but the salary cap wasn't in place then. Um, so now, you know, after uh, seasons and seasons of, of examples, um, it's it's getting more difficult to believe that it's possible. But I think because of the, the the talent that the team has, it can work, but it just it makes it very difficult because if you have instances like, for example, last year in the playoffs where your stars aren't showing up, you know, obviously John Tavares had that horrific injury. You know, Matthews and Marner weren't really feeling it. They weren't really getting getting on their usual touches. And, you know, the only the only player of the big four who stood up was Nylander, but that's just not enough. And I think what you see a lot in the playoffs every single year is you always see some depth player come out of nowhere and just really take control of a series or really have a, a significant impact. And when you have so much of your cap dedicated to uh, to four players, it makes it difficult to kind of find those diamonds in the rough. So it's either either you really have to go on that scavenger hunt for those type of depth players, or you hope that, you know, um, a young player on an ELC can kind of outperform their contract. And I think that's uh, kind of the perspective that Kyle Dubas went in heading into this season with, you know, still relying on the core, on the core four and, you know, it, once once the Leafs have some type of playoff success, it's going to be on the backs of, the, of those four players. You see it every year, like the, those top players or those top teams that win championships, that win series, it, their best players are their best players, right? Tampa's third line was the main focus of Yanni Gord, Blake Coleman, and and, um, and Barclay Goudreau. But like Braden Point was Braden Point. Nikita Kucherov was Nikita Kucherov. So you need to have your star players um, – kind of you know play to what they are what they are um but at the same time in those instances where you know your star players aren't feeling it or maybe you're they have you know um really a strenuous defensive defensive matchups 
you need to have that depth that can kind of step in and score that goal every here and there. It can't only be Jason Spezza who, you know, who scores, scores in your bottom six. And I think that's the perspective that Dubas had over the offseason by bringing in players like Michael Bunting, um, like Nick Ritchie, like um, Andre Kasha, and um, maybe maybe a younger player like Nick Robertson can, you know, uh, play a couple games here and there. So I think that's the perspective, um, or at least that's the mindset that the least management is trying to go, go forth, is that, yes, we'll rely on our core four, but because there's so much money wrapped up in our core four, we kind of have to rely on players who are maybe making less, but are kind of outperforming their contract. And then hopefully that that gets the job done at some point. One of these players that probably will outperform his contract is someone I've watched quite a bit uh, before uh, or and spoken to as well. Uh, but that's Rasmus Sandin. Is mm-hmm. he ready to take that responsibility that, you know, has been spoken of for the last two years? Yeah, I think so. Um, personally, watching Rasmus this season, uh, especially in that first game, I have I've just felt that he wasn't as good as he was or what what he's shown in the past. But again, it is just the preseason. But there are a lot of great things um, that Rasmus does. You know, his, his skating is, is unbelievable. He's a dynamic player. Um, his vision, his ability to, to, um, to move the puck at the blue line and, and set up and set up shots. Um, right from the point for deflections. So I think I think when it comes to or when you think of the overall future of the least defense, Rasmus Sandin is a is a player you definitely focus and hone in on. And especially when you think of um, you think of the future of Morgan Riley entering the, first, the last year of his deal. Um, you know, if if he moves on, then you'd like to think that Rasmus will be the person that can kind of step up and fulfill that and fulfill a very, at the very least a top four spot. But heading into this season, if Riley is still here, you know, you know, Rich Sandin will be on the bottom pair. But you know, maybe he outperforms Riley and gets that spot on the on the top power play. So there's a lot of different questions there. But yeah, I think Sandine has been has been the defensive prospect, um, or not not prospect anymore, but the defensive player in the system, um, that you know, um, that people who like deeply cover the team have been focused on. And I think that a lot of fans overall are starting to get more excited, excited about um, just because he really does seem like a, a very good all around defensive player that has that high end skill. And I think that's what the Leafs are going to be looking for um, and expecting from him this season. Looking at the other suite on the blue line in, in many ways uh, that had a similar trajectory and a similar um vision from the Leafs fans at the draft was Timothy Lilligan and he hasn't really blossomed into that player that we all thought that he would be including myself Mm -hmm. yeah definitely um I I think the the Timothy Lilligan um I guess era in in Toronto is so fascinating because um in his draft year like I think the beginning of the season like he was being um being talked about as like as a top five pick um, but then obviously, you know, some complications took place uh, during that year and he just fell. So watching that draft and just watching him fall and fall and fall. And it's like, wow, the leads are 17. Oh, my God, he's available. And then we got him. It's like, whoa, OK, this might be that that moment where um, or, you know, down the line, you, you see this player like excel. And it's like, how did they fall so far? Like, what were the what were the scouts thinking? Um, but for Lilligren, I think I think there have been some some growing pains. But at the same time, I also don't think he's been given a full opportunity to kind of run 
on the Leafs team. Um, and I think it's a combination of one, they're not necessarily being room, but also just a sense of they really want to ensure that he's not being rushed into the NHL. And that's something historically the Leafs have um, been victims of, of rushing young defensemen in, into the NHL before they're actually ready. Um, and sadly enough, and it kind of goes back to your previous question, when you think of the cap, you know, there has to be a lot of gymnastics that way. Um, I want I want to say, you know, uh, Lilligren does have some, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, performance bonuses on his deal. Um, uh, Katya Nappi at uh, Pension Plan Publish wrote a, wrote a great, great article about it um, today. Uh, so I think it might be some some cap complications that may keep him out of the lineup. But at the same time, he hasn't necessarily done enough, at least as far as like what Rasmus Sandin has done to really scream like, hey, I belong in the NHL. So I think it might be another year for him where he starts the year in the AHL. And then maybe if there's an injury, he kind of gets that step up. But you know, I've always, I've always have been a fan of Lilligren. I've always liked the way he plays. And I think he's a lot more defensive that um, people give him credit for. Yes. You know, we focus on the, the long stretch passes and stuff, but I think, um, I think the way he plays away from the puck and especially the way that he holds the boards and kind of contains players on that side of the ice is really, is really great. And you saw a lot of that in the preseason. So I think what, what these fans in general should be expecting from him this year is kind of a, a full a full blown I'm too good for this league season in the AHL and just force the hand of the Leafs just because I think that yes the top four is set to an extent with you know with Riley and Hall and um and TJ Brody and Jake Muzzin but I think there are there are still some instances where players can kind of force their way up into the lineup um and after what happened last season I I think Sheldon Keith isn't necessarily married to one a specific thing within the team and that if something isn't working, I think he'll be willing to, to try it out and, and play different players in, in different situations. And I think the fact that we've seen Lilligren play with Jake Muzzin a lot, this, this preseason has been very telling as well. Um, so hopefully, you know, he really has, has a great start to the year and tries to force the least hand a little bit, but I think Lilligren is, is a player that the Leafs should not move on from quickly. I know there are a lot of fans who kind of want who who who, uh, who are maybe say like yeah you know he's been in the organization for five years you know it's it's either it's either you know do something with them or, or move them on but I think Lilligren's um, a player worth waiting for definitely. Looking at at the, the opposing team in the quarterfinals, two or four big strong defenders playing boxing out uh, the forwards more or less from from, from the danger area. Mm -hmm. um, And, and we saw Islanders working with that kind of way. We've seen other teams adjust during the offseason uh, to a similar kind of system. Um, has the Leafs done that as well? Um, I don't think so. I think the Leafs system is kind of, at least as far as their defense, their defense has been, is, is more activating, all right? Um, especially in the preseason, we were seeing a lot of, a lot of defensemen um, activating off the rush and kind of joining up. Um, and still in trying to be aware of when, you know, the puck gets turned over and it, obviously having the ability to get back. But I think it's been more of a kind of push the pace um, uh, type of system. Um, like, for example, like Rasmus Sandin, like a lot in the preseason games, you're seeing him jump up, jump up in the rush, um, you know, try to make, make plays, uh, cross crease passes and all that type of stuff. So, um, but at the same time, um, that wasn't necessarily working for the Leafs last year. 
right? And with, you know, Dave Haxall, who was the Leafs um, uh, defensive coach last year, moving on to Seattle and with new assistant coaching kind of going, um, kind of going into play, it'd be interesting to see um, what aspects of last year's um, defensive coverage uh, stay the same and what aspects of it change. Um, but I, I don't necessarily think that the, that the, um, that the per that the goal or that the mission is to be kind of more of a, a box out um, a box out defensive style. I think it'll I think it's going to be more of um you know kind of take care of the puck and be aware of what's going on, but at the same time push the pace to spend more time in the offensive zone so you don't have to spend so much time defending. Um, and whether that's going to work or not, uh, who knows? But um yeah, it, it it definitely is interesting to see different teams kind of adapt that uh, that more of a box out style. Um, but the Leafs have always kind of tried to be more of a dynamic push the pace team. Um, you know, for better and for worse. That, that is the defense, really. But it's also interesting. You're bringing out Peter Mrazek into to the goalie situation. Jack Campbell had a standout here yes, last year. What can we expect from them in regards maybe to this high-powered or, or high-octane uh, defense that you're describing? Yeah, that's a great question, Bexel, because uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. And, and, that's, and I think that's the, worst, that's the worst area to have question marks is in your goaltending. Um, because the Leafs have, have uh, made it clear that they're trying to run a tandem, a tandem um, um, set in some shape, way, way, shape, or form. Uh, Boston was doing it with uh, Tuka Rask and um, Yaroslav um, Halak. Yes, Rask is the number one, and there was never um, any doubt in, in Boston's mind who the number one goaltender was because, you know, once the playoffs hit, it was just Rask, Rask, Rask. But throughout the season, him and Halak would go back and forth. Um, but this season, I, I don't know. Um, I think it's it's clear that Jack Campbell will get the uh, the initial nod, uh, just given respect to what he was what he was able to do last season. Um, but you know, if I think it's as also at the point where if one goalie is 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 hot, they're just going to keep that one goalie in. Um, and I think that that would be great if both goaltenders are are good. But on the reverse hand, if both goaltenders are bad and they can't stop pucks, then that's going to make it really hard to to really establish. Um, confidence structure you know whatever you want to call it and uh one of the big reasons or one of the big things that i think was holding the team back last year was that they didn't have confidence in their goaltending you know if if michael hutchinson was it was in the net you wouldn't know if he's if he's shutting out the oilers or if he's getting lit up by ottawa you know when frederick anderson was in you don't know if he's going to be the frederick anderson from the first three seasons he's on the leafs or the the current fred frederick anderson of what we saw last year of when like, you know, five hole goals and wraparound goals are being let in all the time. So I think that's going to be the most important thing is just establishing confidence. Whoever is in the net, we, they need to know that, okay, we're going to get some solid goaltending. They're going to give us a chance to win. Um, and at this point, I don't know if it's going to be solely Jack Campbell. I don't know if it's going to be solely Peter Mrazek. I don't know if it's going to be both, but one of them needs to definitely take the reins. And I know, I know the benefits of, of having two goaltenders to kind of push the other one and keep them competitive or whatever I, I can understand that definitely but you need to have that that confidence that whoever is between the pipes they're going to give us a chance to win because if because I don't know that that just it clearly changes the the way that the players play when they when they're not um when they're not confident in their goaltender and I think especially if the Leafs want to play this high pace um you know dynamic system where you have defensemen jumping up in the rush, then you need to be confident that, hey, if something goes wrong, if there's a bad bounce and it ends up turning into, you know, a rush going back, that at the very least we could get a save. And, you know, just, just one one save can make the difference, you know. 
Indeed. Have Sench, have Sench know this. You've had Carey Price for eons. You know, one, one, or, one or a couple saves, it makes a difference, right? Yeah, we so saw that in, it was in game five, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Was game six. <laughs> game six, you know, yeah. overtime, the lease came out, shot to 13 to one. Travis Dermott decided to do a spinorama in the defensive zone goal. Oh, God. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, in, in some way it hurts and in some ways it doesn't. So, so I'll be honest, I, I suffered um, I suffered in my football uh, fandom, so I know the feelings in, in, <laughs> in others losing the championship to the arch rivals in the last game of the season when they yeah. play each other and stuff like that. So, so I definitely know the, the feeling. Um, we're listening to Omar, uh, Tic Tac Omar at Twitter. Follow him, Leaf Expert to the bone, as you can hear. Great insights here, Omar. Thank you for joining us, really. Um, looking to the forwards, it's an amazing forward group. It was obviously... Uh, terrible what happened to Tavares last year mm-hmm. um, total freak accident I'm glad that he's back I'm glad that he's playing uh, you want to see the best players play no matter which team they play for and but on the other hand you also have possibly one of the best players in the world right now in Alston Matthews yeah um, it's it's incredible what Matthews uh, has done in his career so far. And especially when you, when you watch the documentary. So for those who want to watch it, cool. Um, just knowing that he was going through wrist injuries the entire season, but still was able to, you know, to put up 40 goals. Yes. Granted against the same six teams, but it, it's, it's incredible what he's able to do and how, and how much better he's, he's grown into a two-way player. Um, I think obviously when it comes to Matthews, we focus on the goals and, and the finesse and the toe drags and stuff. But, you know, he's been he's really uh, grown as a defensive player as well um, to the point where um, for a lot of last season, you know, he wasn't necessarily contained. Uh, and I guess that kind of and that's what makes the playoffs a little a little frustrating because it's like, you know, the whole season you were dominant. What happened? Um, but yeah, so so Matthews, I, I think Matthews is going to go and come into the season on on a mission. Um, to not repeat what happened last year, um, and I think and I think he'll he's going to continue to to um, grow his game and and become um, uh, a reliable player that you can play in all situations, not just when you need a goal. Um, so I think that'll be interesting um, or interesting to see. And then as far as Tavares goes, yeah, you just you can just see how much he means to the team, um, and 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 I think that's what makes the loss so so frustrating is because. It's it's a miracle of how how quick uh, he he got back at it. Um, you know, it's it was it was. It's so, a miracle so, it didn't turn out to be anything worse. Absolutely, absolutely. Like like the fact that he was he was skating, he was skating, he was around the team like games five, six, and seven. Like he, if if they did it, if they won the series, they, you know, he probably could have been back um, in the second round against Winnipeg, right? So, um, so I, I think he's another player as well who I think. Um, will definitely push the pace a lot. Um, and I remember last season, um, there was, you know, there were some instances where, you know, his his five-on-five scoring was kind of down. You know, he's scoring on the power play, but, you know, he went um, a long stretch without scoring a goal at five-on-five. And I think I think those are the things that he's going to work on to ensure that, you know, um, at any at any point, regardless of who is playing, w- whether it's him or whether it's Matthews, that, you know, there will be a chance to, you know, to 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 dominate, to, to have, have possession, possession of the puck in the offensive zone and to put up offense, um, whether it, whether again, whether it's on five on five or um, or the power play. And this goes back to what I said in the beginning of the season, you know, uh, or beginning of uh, of, um, of of our conversation is that, 
you know, if, if the Leafs are going to do the thing, if the Leafs are going to do anything in the playoffs, it's going to be off the back of, of their best players. And that includes Matthews and Tavares. I have to ask one thing because I saw Matthews in, in NLA. And what I remember is his ridiculous wrist shot and, and obviously being uh, how media trained he was because it was my first interview with one of the stars. And yeah, I was rocketed <laughs> by him. I, I, could be, I, could, I could be honest and say that now a couple of years later. But even if he's almost a point per game player in the playoffs, he hasn't really passed, not even in the NLA, where Zurich obviously is the big guys, uh, along with Byrne. Um, he hasn't progressed past the first round. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that's what, and, and you can say that for, for any of the star players, right? Um, it's, we're at a point now within this Matthews era where the regular season doesn't matter. Right. Matthews could rip, rip 60 goals and it'd be cool. But the next thing is to be like, OK, are you going to do that in the playoffs? Right. Um, I think the only year where Matthews has been dominant offensively in the playoffs was that rookie season against uh, Washington, where I think he had like four goals. But after that, it's always been a struggle, a struggle for him. And whether it's, um, you know, just not feeling the puck the right way or maybe just, you know, the, the team teams are kind of just like locking down on him more. It seems like there's been been a struggle, a struggle to score. And I think that's that's the next the next test, the next step. Right. Again, you see players like I, I, I go back to Braden Point all the time because he just he just when when the playoffs start, there's like a like a button in Braden Point's mind. And it's just like, OK, overdrive, like we're just going to go. We're just going to power up. And he just goes nuts, just like points like over and over again. So like, can they get to that point? Can Matthews and Marner get to that point? We've seen it from Nylander. Nylander was the only one of the core four to actually step up. Granted, again, Tavares injury, not his fault, right? But Nylander took his game to a new level. We need to see that from Matthews and Marner. We need to see them say, you know what? We're not going to lose this series. We're not going to lose this game. We're not going to lose this period. This is our game. We're going to take control. And we haven't seen that yet in the playoffs. And I think that's what we need to see. And I, at the same time, I also think that's why there's been a lot of animosity towards those two players from the least fandom this summer is that whatever they do in the, in the regular season, it is not going to matter until they do it in the playoffs. Sheldon Keefe, hot seat or not? Uh, Sheldon Keefe, man, Sheldon Keefe. I was, I was so mad at Sheldon Keefe. Um, at, at the, uh, you know, once the series ended, because I was just like screaming, I'm like, I'm like, why did he, why didn't he move anything around? Like, why were the same lines is going and going? Um, and, and, you know, I, I think, I think it, you don't want to make excuses. And, and I, and I know that that's a big thing that, you know, uh, that some Leafs fans try to do, um, you know, the, the whole ifs and buts thing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, losing Tavares sucked. Um, especially when it comes to like, you know, when it came to the power play or when it came to just the, the possibility of moving things around because if Tavares is on the lineup, then you can say, okay, we'll move things around. Maybe put Marner with Tavares who, and they, they, you know, those two have had, had how or have, you know, natural chemistry and they've been playing, they, they played really well together in the past. Nylander and Matthews were disgusting the other first couple of years together. So you could argue like that's an option that Keith could have done, but you know, Tavares wasn't there. Um, and Again, my 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 mentality and my thought process towards Keith has definitely changed after watching the documentary because a lot of the issues that we saw in the playoffs, Keith identified from like the first 10 games of the season and like actively challenged the players to say, hey, yeah, we're winning games, but we're winning games in a certain way 
that isn't isn't going to cut it in the playoffs. Like it's it's a five one game, but we're still on our heels, and we still think that we're, there's a chance to lose the game, right? So you know, Keith, Keith, I think is is the guy. I think Keith will be the coach to get the team over the hump because he understands and he knows that just winning games isn't enough, and he communicates that to the players. So I think what it's going to come down to is whether the players can believe that themselves. And if they do, or if they can, then cool, then that can lead to some great success down the line. And if not, then that's when you have to start making some changes as far as player personnel goes and whatever that's going to be. Who knows? Is Dubas going to be there to, to, um, to make those changes if the Leafs lose again? Who knows? Um, but, but I think for Keith, I think Keith has a lot of the, has, has the style and has the system and, and just has that fearlessness to communicate what is necessary and what needs to happen for the team to have success. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to to what he does this season with, um, you know, with his first full 82 game season now as coach of the, of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Is it going to be the ketchup effect where where if you go through the the first round that you actually manage to go all the way? Uh I don't know. Um, it's <laughs> the the bar is so low, right? Like the bar is so disgustingly low where all we want for them is just to win, win around. Um, personally, I, I would like to see more, but at the same time, if they win around, like, it'll be great. If they, if they win around and then get knocked out in the, in the second round, like in five games, like it's still not going to be a great feeling, but I guess you could argue it's something, it's something to build off of. I had that perspective last, um, last season where it just went around and then we'll see, we'll see what will take place. But um, I don't think that that kind of runaway effect can happen this season. Last season, it could definitely in the in the exactly. other bracket, right? Exactly, exactly, right. Like last year, you could you could argue, yeah, you went around, and who knows? Like last year was the, the <laughs> it hurts. Last year was it was the the easiest path to a conference final ever for a Canadian right? team. For a Canadian team, <laughs> right? Um, and and this is not to take away from what what that what the Habs did. Incredible run, and honestly, like I. As it it, it 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 pained me so much, this because I kept thinking like this this could have been us, this could have been us, you know, uh, taking out Vegas. This could have been us in the Stanley Cup final. Um, but this season is is different. You're you're back to normal. You're back to how it was before. Tampa is still Tampa. Boston is still Boston, right? Um, you know, uh, who knows what happens with with the Habs? I know a lot of people are writing them off and stuff. But okay, yeah, but sure, like people wrote off the Habs last year, and what happened? When series, 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 right? Um, Ottawa is going to be a better team, and Ottawa is a team the Leafs always have struggles with. Florida is going to be a better team, right? Detroit so it's going to be a better team as yeah, well. So it's it's not going to be easy. It, it really isn't. And I think I think what the Leafs need to need to get rid of they need to get rid of the perspective of just because they're doing well doesn't mean they're at their best or doesn't mean that they are best. And that was a line that kept getting, that kept, I, I keep referencing the documentary because like it, it really gives a lot of uh, insight into what took place last season. Um, the, the, the point of, well, we're first in the division continuously got brought up. Cool. You're first in the defi- division. And then what happened? Right. So I think what the Leafs need to have every single game, every single game needs to matter. Every single game needs to matter. It doesn't matter if it's if it's Saturday night in October. It doesn't mean if it it doesn't matter if it's a Tuesday night in February. Every game needs to matter because that feeling is going to carry on to the playoffs where every single game matters. It's not going to be easy to make the playoffs. 
We're not just gonna. You can't just coast through the season and then just score your way into the playoffs this year. It's not. It's not gonna work because all the Atlantic Division as a whole is is better. Before it was just Leafs, Tampa, Boston, and the Montreal would, would come in. Would come in. But now you can argue the majority of the division is going to make it difficult, right? And so they can't afford to have that mentality. They have to. They have to come in and they have to do what you know what Keith and. Keith and Shanahan and Dubas have been talking about since in the last season, they need to find that killer instinct and they need to use the regular season to develop and grow that killer instinct such that if they're in, in the playoffs and there's a situation where they can put away a team, you put them away. You don't give them an opportunity to battle back, to get momentum. Don't, don't allow a goal in the, in the last minute of a period. Don't allow two quick goals in succession. You're winning the game, win the game and that's it. So I think that's what, that's going to be a big thing a big thing from this season and hopefully Keith uh, really pushes, really pushes and, um, and um, enhances that message throughout the year. We're listening to Omar. He's a great guy, as you can hear. Um, <laughs> I'm going to finish off with, with, with one last question, actually, Omar, sure. is there any prospects in your system that we should be aware of is coming up or, or um, obviously it won't, maybe not make the team today, but, but, make the team next year that we should be aware of is on the rise yeah um the, the you know and um and it's funny like this player is, is generally linked to um linked to your cole caulfield caulfield a lot uh nick robertson um a lot of eyes on nick robertson and what he's been able to do um you know last year he quote unquote benefited uh from this weird format where you know teenagers were able to play in the ahl but you know his his season was just riddled with injuries uh, anytime you know he played one game with the Leafs and then got injured uh when you know, was playing with the Marlies is starting to kind of you know get some jam get some mojo and got injured as well and and this year you can really tell that he's desperately trying to um desperately trying to make an impression on the team um but it's not going to be difficult right it's, it's not going to be difficult um for a prospect uh to make the team because again of all the all the depth signings that the Leafs made over the offseason um but you know Robertson you know he's a tenacious player um, he's he's clearly uh, better than than his peers as far as you know full on scoring. You know the shot is there. He has the NHL shot. Uh, it's accurate. It's quick. Um, I think another thing that that's been really good to see is that um, his ability as a penalty killer has really has really uh, shown up, and we've seen that in the preseason just because of how relentless he is on the puck and how he uh, he attacks he attacks the opposition and tries to force turnovers. So that's going to be an interesting thing to see. And I think that if there's an op- if there's an opportunity where you know, there's an injury on the left on the left side. Uh, don't be surprised to see Robertson, um, you know, get that call up and, and get an opportunity to play, um, you know, if if the opportunity presents itself. But, um, yeah, I think uh, Nick Robertson is, is definitely, if not a player this year, then definitely next year. Um, at least will likely rely rely on, especially now that the you know the the, the left side is 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 relatively open. Thank you, Omar. A privilege. I hope I can come back to you during the season, maybe even for one of the series, back-to-back series that Toronto and Montreal might have, uh, because I don't know the schedule in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If everyone, uh, if you ever want to talk about, you know, yeah. if things that are going wrong, which you or, know, or things that go right, you know, oh, let's be not. honest. <laughs> yeah, but you know, when it comes to the Leafs, you know, the Leafs uh, embody Murphy's law. You know, whatever can go wrong does go wrong. So we'll see. <laughs> Thank you, Omar. Follow him on Twitter at uh, TikTok Omar, and uh, we'll sure we will for sure have him back on the pod because it's been brilliant. Thank you. No problem.